Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Mavericks, your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. This is going to be huge. Welcome. You are locked on the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, media member at MavsMoneyball.com, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, the editor of Smoking Cuban. What you got for me, Isaac? What do I have for you? Day you got, one of... You got something good for me. What do I have for you? You got the man. You got the leading scorer from the Dallas Mavericks. You know, so insight into my personal life, I work for a nonprofit organization in West Dallas with an after-school program uh, with kids. And today we have a gym at our at our location. And I was uh, shooting basketball with one of the boys and as a middle schooler. And I was like, man, uh, he asked me where I was at on Monday. And I was like, hey, it's media day. It's just where kind of like writers talk to NBA players and stuff. I was like, you know who you know Harrison Barnes is? He's like, who? I was like, <laughs> Harrison Barnes, he's like the leading scorer on the Dallas Mavericks. Never heard of him. I'm like, no, well, dang, never. Like, well, dang it, no. Like, I was like, well, who do you know? He's like Steph, LeBron. I'm like, okay, whatever. So, uh, to kids uh, in my program, they do not care about or know who Harrison Barnes is. I do. I do this test, and I, I test my wife. I try to see which players she knows, just to see how famous they are. Because if it hits my wife, and sometimes she'll hear like some stuff from me, but I try to keep it kind of separate because she doesn't really care about basketball that much. She likes football better. But uh, <laughs> the, the, I, I just say, "Hey, do you know who Kawhi Leonard is?" And she'll be like, "Um, no, not at all." <laughs> but she like knows <laughs> LeBron and KD and Clay and Draymond, and yeah, she knows uh, like Damian Lillard randomly. Probably, right. probably because I showed her his album and she thought that was really cool. Oh, okay. Dame Dalla. She knows like Shaq and you know, some players like that. Dang. She knows Dirk, obviously. And some players yeah. now, but yeah, if if it doesn't pass the the, uh, the wife test, then the player's not super famous yet. What's crazy for with Harrison Barnes, you know, I grew up a huge Tar Heel fan. And uh, I mean, I remember, I mean, I, I just remember so vividly. I remember his press conference. I remember watching high school videos of him in Iowa. I remember watching yeah, the press conference where he, he was the number one player in the country. And I remember we got him as a Tar Heel fan. I was like, oh, my gosh, dude, we got Harrison Barnes. Who is this guy? And uh, I just remember you know, rooting him on at Carolina, and it's crazy how I was so young back then. And now, you know, seven years later, we're kind of chatting about life. And that we, we talked some about that Carolina basketball team and – it's like, man, it's crazy how this life how life turns out sometimes. It is crazy. It's crazy where you end up. And uh, if you just, you know, keep going. And if you make decisions and put yourself in a situation where, you know, you set yourself up for success, you know, and you prepare for you prepare, prepare for an opportunity even if it's not necessarily open yet. Because if you prepare for it, then eventually an opportunity, some type of opportunity will open up, whether it's Lockdown Mavs, whether it's Mavs Moneyball, Smoking Cuban, something, you know, something like that. And you, yeah. just, you just never know where it's going or anything else in life. 
yeah and you know it's just like this this isn't my you know obviously i went to school for seven years i did my master's in christian leadership and i do ministry stuff and was a college pastor before and this was not obviously my thing like this was a passion and this was a hobby and now it's just a stage that god's given me and i'm like man how can i use that to glorify him and yeah it's a Oh, it's been cool, and it's a it's a fun hobby. This is a stage of a chapter of my life, and I don't know how long it'll last forever. It won't last forever, but for now, I'm gonna soak it up while I can. Yeah, and I guess if you just want to go through my life, are we just giving life stories now? Is that what, <laughs> is that what we're doing? <laughs> this is what I, this is what I really want to do. I want to go into it. I want to get into sports radio, sports media. Uh, yeah, you're, and you're really good at it. Like this is your thing. Man. I want to pivot to video eventually in my life. That's what I. <laughs> That's what I eventually want to do. But right now I'm writing. Uh, so I started writing. I And uh, I went to school for ministry to begin with. So Isaac and I have that in common a lot. I went to a ministry school. Um, so I wanted to do that. Then I pivoted to uh, Dallas Baptist University where I you know, graduated and studied communications and was broadcast, somewhat broadcast major. I worked in their department and this is what I really want to do. So I thought I was going to go into ministry and now I'm going to go into this and you were doing this and now you're going to go into ministry. So we're kind of the opposites. Yeah. Kind of the opposites, but on a, a similar path right now. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, our paths are intertwining right now. <laughs> our paths are Dwight Powling right now. They're, they're, oh my gosh. they're at the point where we either need to make a decision <laughs> We need to go one way or the other. That's <laughs> my it. decision. My decision has been made for a while. <laughs> you know, this is Dwight Powell's fourth year in the NBA. No comment. That's that's amazing to me. He's still like, he might not be. I mean, what is he? Twenty six, twenty five, something like that. He's he's still really young in the NBA. Yeah, but I mean, he's he. All right, we don't, you don't need to, you need to explain yourself <laughs> anymore. If you guys are listening to for the first time, Isaac is a uh, historically down on on. Dwight Powell and I try to talk him back into it. I'm not super high on Dwight Powell, but I think that he's at least a competent NBA player and Isaac thinks otherwise. Yeah, that's a good that's a good way to put it, Nick. <laughs> so, any other thoughts from Media Day? We're going to we're going to talk about this and then we're going to talk to uh Isaac's going to talk to Harrison Barnes later in this episode. Really really good stuff. He told me a lot about it. Um and I listened to it before you guys did. So, it, it's good stuff. I had a really good conversation. Asked some really really good questions. Stuff that Harrison Barnes doesn't always get asked and Harrison Barnes gets asked the same questions over and over it feels like. So, yeah, it it was it was fun. We um you know, we kind of got to know each other a little bit over last season. Just kind of bonded over. He's a big Christian. I did a story with him all that stuff and yeah. North Carolina stuff. But um yeah, he we wanted I wanted to do something with him before media day and he called me on Sunday, I guess Sunday night, and we chatted for, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes, 20, 20 of it was recorded, and I wanted to try to stick it, stick, stay true to 20, because that's what I told him, so it's not as flowy, um, as conversational, because I did want to cover some things, and, but I did, I didn't want to keep him a long time either, because we had talked for a decent bit beforehand, um, but yeah, yeah, it was cool. We just talked about his off season, talked about his wedding uh, because it got some, Gosh. you know, publicity, and he wasn't, you know, happy about that it leaking out. And what a, him some. What a, let's talk about that for a second. What a guy to have this happen to him. You know, he's just not I a know. super flashy, out there guy, but he would be the guy that would invite everybody, like all the former teammates, all the current teammates. You know, he would be that guy to invite everybody, but. 
that all this stuff came out from his wedding is just completely the opposite of him. He just, I can't, he's not a guy that just posts all the time on Instagram story or Snapchat, you know, stuff like that. He's just not that type of dude. No, not at all. And I kidded with him. I was like, well, you can blame Ronnie 2K for that. Yeah. And he, he was like, actually, it wasn't him. It was a different, he was actually talking about the, uh, the dance, the, the, the Steph Curry dance oh, with the, LeBron. The Steph, yeah. Somebody, it was, somebody, it was, it was Steph and Kyrie, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody leaked that video. Gosh, so he was that like, was that was before Kyrie. We found out he demanded a trade, but he had already demanded the trade at that point. Yeah. So it was the uh, timeline. The timeline is crazy with this summer. <laughs> Did we have a yeah. summer? No. I'm working on our off season recap for Mavs Moneyball, and I can't call it an off season. I'm calling it the away season because we were away from basketball, but it was still was a season. Yeah, that's that's pretty true, but. Yeah, I think fans will enjoy the conversation. Um, we talked about just things that he's focused on. A lot of people focus on his assist numbers, um, focus on his free throw numbers, but he m- chose a different area of his game that he thinks affects everything in this game that he wants to focus on. Because I made him pick one. Yeah. Not a lot. I said pick one area that you want to focus on the most. So we talked about the criticisms because it seems like every year people pick apart his games. Oh, he sucks at this. He can't dribble, he can't blah, dribble. blah, blah. And, he, you know, he, he acknowledged that. He's like, hey, it's always interesting for him to say, he's like, I to see what the buzzword is, you know, dribble yeah. or playmaking. And, but it's cool. We uh, talk about some personal stuff at the very end. Talk to him about the Carolina team. Uh, what do you think Mark... Harrison Barnes' word's going to be next year? Next year? Man, I don't know. That's hard. I mean, re- I mean, we know he's our best player, but, you know, the Mavericks know it too, and I know that's not, like, a big surprise. But Best like, player as of right now. It. Like, best player if you're, if you're taking a team to the court tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Rick said it today at practice. He got asked a question about Barnes, I think, by McMahon, and he was like, I mean, he's our best player on the team, and yeah. blah 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 blah. And I was like, hmm, yeah, it's just kind of weird hearing that sometimes. But if, so if he checks, I, so he checked the the dribbling box last year. If he checks the playmaking box, let's say he gets his three assists a game or whatever he wants to get. What's the next? What's the next one? Is it three point shooting? Is it getting to the line? Is it you know leadership? What? What's what's a word for him? So well, not to like spoil it, but he, you know, like rebounding is his thing. And he thinks rebounding is going to connect a lot, like him being able to rebound and just go with it. And it's going to, and that's really the faster pace that we've talked about before. He's just going to become a traditional four. He's going to rebound. <laughs> He's going to be in the low post because I talked about on the uh, the Harrison Barnes preview. His post numbers were really, really good. Like he was really efficient in the post. I mean, there's only seven or so players that were more efficient than him in the post last year and it was guys you know guys that you would think of like you know Jokic and towns and guys you know, guys like that but yeah so he's just eventually just gonna be in the post grabbing rebounds that's he's just gonna be a four like a normal four what i think with this faster pace that we're gonna see is we're gonna see a lot of rebounds and just run just yeah. get it and go whoever gets the rebound take off or throw it ahead to dennis or seth or whoever it is and and that's what he was kind of talking about him him getting into the paint paint rebounding and getting it and going and how that he thinks that's going to help create more free throws, uh, more assist numbers, that they're just going to be constantly moving. So I think we'll see a, a lot of those numbers um, go up for sure. But that's a really good question to think about what would be next year because uh, the scoring would probably stay the same. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. 
Yeah, the 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 get it and go, the uh, like not the outlet passes, but like an outlet transition, you know, just like going for it. That's something that obviously the Warriors have, have you know almost mastered. They just they have everybody on the floor that can do that at some point. Draymond is a guy that at the four position has done that better than pretty much anybody. LeBron, I guess, is you know when he played the four in Miami and when he does sometimes for the Cavs, he's obviously super good at that. Julius Randle is a guy that you know can do that, and that's kind of the allure around him. Um, somebody, somebody said, would we trade Julius Randall straight up for Nerlens Noel right now? They're both going to be free agents. Julius can be restricted. Nerlens can be you, unrestricted. Do you want to know my answer? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would too. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. I mean, obviously at this point after, after seeing he was going to be benched, it's kind of like, well, there, <laughs> if he's not valuable enough to earn his way into a starting spot and the trade that he got, eventually we're going to have to learn that he might not be as good as we all think that he is. Yeah. Let's hope that's not the case, but yeah, not that I just turned that into a bashing of Nerland's as well. <laughs> <laughs> we like Nerland's, but uh, yeah, I mean, I said, I said on the last pod, I think he's gone, but we'll see. Yeah. The more I talk about it, the more it just seems like he is going to be gone, but it's a long season. There's, you know, there's, 90 games between now and then there's eight preseason games. There's, you know, the 82 games in the regular season. I mean, there's a lot of basketball. There's a lot of time, a lot of plane rides, a lot of, you know, dinners with the team. Hopefully there's a lot of dirt calling him a burger. There's, you know, a lot of time for between now and then for him to, you know, a lot of lobs from Dennis Smith jr. They call, he called him the perfect point guard. Maybe their chemistry is just so good that he wants to stay there. We see guys team up all the time in the NBA. Maybe this is a thing that, you know, they can team up and they want to stay together. This is a, you know, Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan situation where they just want to keep staying together because they're, you know, really good friends and they work really well together. We just don't know. We, we can't definitively say just because he's going to get benched, you know, he gone, he gone. Now I, <laughs> that's the thing to say now. And, you know, it's, it's funny to make jokes about it and it's, it's likely right now, right? Like that, that just seems like if we had to put a number on it, it would be 80%, 85% that he would leave. Yeah. I mean, you're just putting everything together. It's not being a pessimist about it. It's just the fact that everything that happened this summer and you're like, Oh, they on a sour note. Now, now he's getting benched and you know, every question, it's not like he came out and answered his questions like, Oh yeah, for sure. I want to be here long term. <laughs> We're going to make this happen. Like I'm um, going to have a big time. I love here. the city of Dallas. That's for yeah, my age I mean, Yeah, so um, I think he'll just play it out. And I will say this. I mean, it's just like I said last time when I or on the last pod, when I talked to him and I did that, you know, after media day and me and him chatted and I asked him about the whole trade thing, about how he has those special rights, he could have just straight up told me and said, yeah, I'm going to – because I just asked him straight up. I'm like, hey, you're going to be a Maverick at the end of the season? And – he could. He has the right to say, "Yeah, I will." Yeah, I'm not. I don't. I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm not going to give up my bird rights for anything. Why would I? You know, why would I give up those rights for blah blah blah? He could have said that, but he just said, "Man, that's just way you know so far in advance." You know, just let my agent handle all that <laughs> stuff. And so, like, I don't know. I mean, what? He's sort of taking a page out of LeBron's book when he does that. Where LeBron has sort of been that guy that's not at this point in his career, he's learned that you don't say where you're going to be because people either hold it to you and burn your jersey, or they will just hold it to you if you don't do what you say you're going to do. You know, there's just it, there really is no winning if you say something like that, like make a definitive commitment because something might happen where, like I said, it's a long season. Something could change at some point, and then you want to leave, and he leaves, but you're like, 
you know, Kyrie when he's at that kid's he's at, he's at that kid event where he's sitting on stage and the little kid comes up to him and goes, "Are you going to leave us like LeBron left us?" And he said, "No, I'm not." And then he demands a trade. You know, like you just never know yeah. what's going to happen. So, I think he took a page out of LeBron's book where he just doesn't want to definitively say one way or the other cuz he doesn't get anything out of that. The only thing he gets out of that is, you know, a bunch of stories from bloggers like us and <laughs> And it's the it's the power of freaking social media, man. One yeah. of my biggest pet peeves of everything is one, the people who dig on social media. That just really just gets to me. But two, the people who pull out tweets from like, you know, the fifties, you know, that's exaggeration obviously, but like people pull out tweets from that somebody tweeted back in like two thousand four and you're like, What what who cares about that? Like why <laughs> so in this social media world, we're starting to see you know, even kids coming up in high school and, and, you know, rookies in the league, if they're getting asked anything, the smart answer is just kind of beat around the bush because you never know. And whatever, whatever you say, whatever you do, it's going to get on social media. And once it's on social media, it's there forever. And whatever you say and do, people are going to bring it back up five years from now, 10 years from now and be like, look at him back then. Just like the Kyrie thing. And look no further than the leader of the slang gang himself. That is that is very Dennis true. Smith Jr., the leader of the slang gang. But I think Dennis Smith Jr. and some of the other guys, Lonzo, um, we're seeing it with some either even younger guys than that, are so poised and they're so good in front of the media and so well spoken. I think that is also because of the, the social media era. We've seen these guys come up and be more comfortable with media, be more comfortable with you know access because, uh, yeah, just just because they've been exposed to it more. Obviously, Lonzo has been exposed to so much media just all the I media i don't like talking about lavar because he really gets on my nerves but my wife watches ellen and i do think ellen's hilarious but anyway she had lonzo and lavar on her show of course and she they were talking about the shoes and stuff and he was talking about how he says yeah i hate that people think that whenever i say you have to be a big baller to get these shoes because of the price point he said, I don't want you to think about it's about money, but I don't want you to think you can just go pick up these shoes anyway. you got to work for these shoes. And she goes, she says something like, well, you got to have the $900 to get them. He goes, well, if you want to work for them, you can get out there and sell bottles for two years. I'm like, what? You what? <laughs> you what? There isn't a pair of shoes on the face of this earth, and I love shoes, man, that I would sell bottles for two years. To get a pair, like you're gonna have 15 shoes out within two years to get like one pair. Anyway, I, I don't want to bash your boys. You love those that family and that I show. I love them so. so much. I think they're so great. I think they're great <laughs> so for annoying. basketball. I think it's it's awesome. They're fun to follow. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm not gonna buy ZO2s. I'm not gonna buy ZO2.5s. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna buy either of those. That's basically what he did, but, right? He came out with his shoe and then changed it. But you're not gonna buy them because of the price point. If they were like seventy bucks, you had already had some. Well, no, because nobody has theirs yet. They're not coming. They're not getting shipped till November. So, <laughs> well, you would you would buy them? No, I don't know if I would buy them. Hmm. I need some shoes, so I probably would. But well, Dennis had some sweet shoes on at practice today. It was from a long distance, so and you did not cop a pick of it. I didn't. I, I was. We were talking to Carlisle, and I was literally like, keep on looking over. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go take a picture of him, and he went in the back, but. He was working with uh, Daryl Armstrong today. What are your other thoughts from practice today? You saw Maxi shoot. You saw you saw Jeff Withy. You saw your boy shoot Dwight Powell. Yeah, uh, man, the first bell. So 
there's this bell, and yeah. they had the they had the bell in the old practice facility. They didn't have it in the new one last year, but now they brought the bell back. I saw that and today, and I was like, I'm really glad the bell made the move because the bell is back, hadn't man. Daryl Armstrong's uh, bell it's just mounted on the wall there in the practice facility, so that you know that the team, you know, the player players go around the arc and shoot five threes from all five spots around the basically arc. like the basically like the three point contest. Yeah, in, and if they, and if they hit twenty or more, uh, you know, twenty five being a perfect score, they, you know, they he rings the bell and it's always really funny. Here, here, <laughs> you have a winner today. And I remember when Seth did it for the first time last year. It was really fun. And the first one of the season, or for you know, training camp, Dirk Nowitzki, twenty five for twenty five. What a man! That's why. <laughs> huh? That's why Nerlens got benched right there. That's why Dirk's gonna make me eat my words. He's gonna be the, the third best power forward, and actually, we have to redo our rankings. We have to put him as center now. I think we should do that at some point. Just redo them. We'll do one pod just talking about what changed. Yeah, yeah, I'd be down for that. But yeah, um, yeah, Dirk stuff. You know, Carlisle talked to us for a bit, so he didn't really. You know, it, he talked about the JJ thing, which is you know crazy. It's awesome that. You know, Mark Cuban loaned the team plane and said, JJ, take the team plane, load it up with supplies, take it to Puerto Rico. And JJ took that plane, you know, some mass employees and stuff, took them uh, supplies down there, brought his mom and grandma back, or is bringing them back tonight. And he said, Carlos said, he's like, his dad's going to stay down there. He's going to slug through it. Like, he, he wants to be down there to help recovery and mm-hmm. all that stuff. So, hats off to Mr. Brea, man. Like, you're a boss, like you're a man, and uh, staying back, staying back, you know, and doing that. But basketball wise, um, he talked some about Barnes. I just, you know, I asked him about what stood out in day one. It's really just basics. Um, at this point, I'll have a piece out tomorrow, you know, today, uh, talking about just day one of, you know, training camp. Him just talking about how it's just learning transition offense and really focus on defensive rebounding, uh, stuff that we've talked about on the podcast before. So. Just stuff like that. Uh, he did uh, talk about Wes Matthews. He said, it, you know, at this point, he said, hey, I, I view Wes as, you know, Wes is a three and a two. And he said, and at this point, probably in that order. So that's, know that's that, an interesting comment to me that, that he would say that. Why do you think that as a three more than a two? Because that statement comes out as it's not necessarily the fit of the team. He just really sees Wes as a three. Yeah, and I, and it's about the roster too because I think Mark Follow will ask him today. He said the faster pace is that based off of the roster makeup or is that based off of how the league's turning? And he said uh, more about the roster. He said we have five legitimate point guards on the roster, and he's not wrong he about said, that. And he said you know if we don't play a faster pace, he said one of those guys, which is one of our better guys on the team, is going to be setting. And he said that wouldn't be good for our team. So. I don't, you know, that that just shows that with Wes being at the three, we're going to get these three guard lineups a lot. So we'll see how that is. And we obviously seen, I mean, that's what it's looking like. If we all think, and it probably will, Seth will be the starter um, at the two, and everybody will just move up with Dirk being at the five. But he's still uncommitted on, uncommitted on that. And that's uh, on who will start in Nerland's place. Yes, and at this point, when you listen to the pod, uh, I might be able to go to practice tomorrow if I can. I'm, I'm going to try to just ask Rick straight up. 
is Seth, you know, your starter and just see what he says. But at this point, he's just saying, hey, like, we're just going to let it, you know, I'm unsure who that's going to be. And we all assume it's Seth, but I don't know. We'll see. I I mean, Dorian is the only other one I can think of that would be, that would start, but. Yeah. Dwight Powell. Stop. So. Yeah, that it's, it's interesting that so, so from what it sounds like it that it's not necessarily a, in a vacuum. Wes is a it is more of a three in Carlisle's mind, but it is the fit in the roster, and because they have so many point guards, if they if they were limited on point guards, let's say they only had two legitimate point guards on their team, Wes would probably still be a two. Correct, and because if you look at each one of the guards and their storylines, like JJ's a vet. He when he was healthy last year, he played really good, and so he's going to get his minutes. Devin Harris is on a non-guaranteed contract. You know they could have just cut him loose. So like they brought him back, he's gonna get minutes. Yogi is Yogi. I mean he's a young young guy. They want to see what they can develop him into. Dennis is already starting. So and we got the Seth Curry stuff. So I mean every one of them have their own legitimate reason of why they're getting minutes, and it all makes sense. It's just it's gonna be really interesting to see how just all it all plays out in minutes wise. And he said that he's happy to see this competition. And he recognized oh, it course. is a comp- competition in camp between all of these guys and who's going to get the most minutes. And he said it's good for everybody. So Definitely good for everybody. Good for us. Good for topics going up until the Mavericks actually play. Guys, let's hear from Harrison Barnes, the Mavericks' leading scorer from last year. He sat down and spoke. An exclusive, exclusive one-on-one with Isaac Harris. So let's talk to Harrison Barnes right now. And now, insurance-minded speeches from GEICO. Hardship. My grandmother would go through it every month to pay her insurance bill. First, she would handwrite a paper check, in cursive. Then, using her own tongue, she would wet a stamp for an envelope. Today, however, we need not weary our hands and tongues. Today, we can pay our GEICO bill with the GEICO app. Away with hardship, in with bill pay on the GEICO app. Thank you. All right, so, so first off, Carmelo. Like I had, I had something to start off with before, but like your your initial your initial reaction to to Carmelo, how did you find out about it? First thoughts about it? Man, I was actually with um, I just parked at the AT and T store and Dwight Powell was inside, and we were we were talking. He's like, "Oh, you know, you hear about Melo going to OKC," and I was like, "Ah, I didn't." And then I saw it obviously on Twitter, everyone's going crazy and. And all this stuff, and I mean, you know, just from a player's perspective, I mean, you're happy that, you know, he's in a good situation. Um, you know, he was able to, you know, kind of, him and the Knicks were both able to part. I think both can start a new chapter, and it worked out. So, the original thing I wanted to start off with was your wedding. Did you, <laughs> did you ever think that your wedding would get the publicity that it did? I was hoping it didn't, uh, just because I knew the obviously I knew the people who were coming, but I was hoping that nothing would really leak out. And I know you can obviously hope for things, but you know the reality is it happened. But it was a great, it was a great time. Um, my wife and I had an unbelievable experience, just celebrating with friends and family. And, you know, happy to turn it up. I think you can blame Ronnie Two K for most of it. <laughs> he, he embellished a little bit on his stories, but uh, <laughs> no, nah, it was actually somebody else that leaked it. Okay, okay. 
Because I, I remember somebody texted me and was like, hey, you watching Ronnie 2K's like Instagram or something? I'm like, no, bro. I'm like eating with my wife. Like, what's <laughs> And uh, so, but anyway, so at some things, you know, or videos leaked to the wedding and a friendship that maybe some people didn't know about a groomsman, Kyrie Irving. How, how did that friendship, when did that start? Is it AAU days or North Carolina days? Yeah, no, I mean, it started at my probably sophomore year at Top 100 camp. Um, you know, we both kind of just had a rough day, you know, out there competing against people. Um, someone got the best of me, someone got the best of him, so we're kind of seeing each other moping uh, together, and we just um, started a friendship. And, you know, we've been close for a, for a number of years. He's like a he's like a brother to me, and um, you know, it was obviously big. He was able to come out and big groomsmen support me on my on my wedding day. Do you think he got unfairly criticized for his whole requesting the trade thing and all that? You know, I mean, guys want to you know blaze their own path. Obviously, you know we we talked a little bit about it. I mean, he wanted to he wanted to change the scenery. Um, he tried to go about it discreetly. He would lead to the media. Um, not by his camp, and you know, I think he ended up in a great situation where he be, he should be able to do everything that he wants to do. So, with the summer and like the player movement, and Kyrie's just one of it feels like a million things that happened this summer. But like one of the storylines is like how the money maybe dried up. Some people are saying it dried up this summer. Do you do you ever think about what if you were a free agent this summer compared to last summer? Yeah, I mean, it would have been uh, probably very different. You know, last uh, summer of 16, you know, everybody was signing, you know, very large deals, myself included. I benefited from that. And, you know, the thing was said at the time was, oh, you know, summer of 17 is going to be even bigger than this summer. So everything's going to look in proportion. And, you know, there was some big deals. Obviously, there was, you know, $200 million deals by you know, hard and Steph and, you know, Blake's on a huge deal as well. But, you know, overall, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't quite the same. So I think that, um, it was unfortunate that it wasn't, wasn't able to be, you know, bigger than the summer of 16. And hopefully the salary cap, you know, will at least stay where it is or increase a little bit rather than rescind, like what they're predicting for next summer. Yeah. Cause you, cause you look at like somebody like Nerlens and like if Nerlens was a free agent last summer, he probably would have cashed in. And it's kind of, you know, he comes to this situation this summer and now everyone's like, oh, why why'd he turn down money? And now he's on a qualifying offer. And it's just crazy how, I don't know, it's just crazy how in 12 months things could be so different for players. I mean, I mean, timing is everything. You know, one of, the, one of the biggest things that, you know, people don't talk about is, you know, the guy that has a great season, but maybe he's got one more year left on his contract. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he plays out that next season and, you know, the money he would have got the summer before doesn't he doesn't get. You know, a lot of times players talk about stuff like that. So, you know, timing is timing. Timing is a huge thing, and you know, sometimes it's, it's out of your control about you know what the market is. So, I want to talk about your game and your kind of kind of your past twelve months. Last summer, obviously, as a player or anybody really, you're going to hear your criticisms. And Absolutely. it felt like last year it was, oh, Harrison can't dribble. He can't be a go-to guy. He's just, you know, Golden State is a stand in the corner, dude, all this stuff. And you kind of, you eliminated that this year, at least in my opinion you did. 
And now it seems like it's something else. Now it's, oh, well, his assist numbers is down. His free throw attempts is down. It feels like it's always something, or at least the past few years, somebody just tries to find something with your game that is wrong or you need to improve on or something. How do you deal with outside criticism like that, or do you just take it in stride? Uh, I mean, to me, it's, it's, it's always interesting to, to figure out whatever the buzzword is, you know. So for a number of years, it was dribble, dribble, dribble. And then, you know, once that was done, it was, oh, you know, I can't score consistently. Oh, I can't be go-to guy. So, you know, you see these criticisms all the time. But the biggest thing is just just growth and improvement. You know, that's something I've been trying to do over in the course of every single year I've been in the league. And, you know, last year, I think I'm making that step um, to show that I can score consistently, to show that I can, you know, create a shot for myself at any time show the fact that you know i can i can do what it takes to win you know some games down the stretch um that was big and now it's just obviously increasing that coming this next year you know improving things like the free throws either the playmate game the the rebounding all those things that people continually say to get better at those things and win more games so you don't you don't create fake twitter accounts to argue with people no, 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 man. There's too many of those going around already right now. The burner Twitter scene is a little, little overpacked. <laughs> so, you kind of touched on a little bit ago, but if you could, if you could, actually, you just did. If you could nail one thing to say, hey, this, I want this to be my biggest. Like, what are you focusing on the most? Like, the next step in your game, improving your game. Would you, would you say it's your playmaking? Would you say it's rebounding and free throw attempts or um i think for me it's going to start with rebounding you know, the ability to get the, the ball the rebound to push it in transition i think that's going to create more opportunities to play make in transition i think that's going to increase my ability to get to the free throw line um i think it's just going to you know increase my chance of getting easy bucks as well you know potentially even transition three so i think all of the criticisms can one way or another be linked to rebounding. And I think that rebounding is the one thing that can be controlled, you know, via effort, via positioning, via, you know, you don't even have to have the ball, you know, it's, you know what I'm saying? In order to get a rebound, you have to worry about everything else until the shot goes up. So, I mean, those are things that I'm focused on. You kind of think of, when you say that, it makes me think of, uh, think of Westbrook and how his rebound sometimes creates, you know, plays going the other direction, how he gets it and just rolls with it. And how him his ability to rebound allows him to you know set up a different type of offense coming right back down the floor. Exactly. I mean, it, it's, it's tough to you know what I'm saying come down to a half court every single time, you know, to get the ball maybe on the post, you know, maybe coming off a screen somewhere, and then try to be a playmaker. You know what I'm saying? And when yeah. the play calls and, and of course the game, you know, you're gonna get your shots, you're gonna get your possessions, but how can you maximize other ways to manufacture those things? And the biggest way is rebounding. It gives you an extra possession with the ball. It gives you an extra chance to catch a defense before they're set. You know, to give somebody a wide open shot. I mean, we got great shooters like Wes and Seth, you know, McRoberts, Dirk. I mean, all these different people who can knock down open shots. If you can just get the ball in transition, get it to them. Right there, your assist numbers increase. What does your position impact that at all? Whether you're playing the three or playing the four. No, nah, not really. I mean, in this in this league right now, it's it's less about you know what your what your title is, what position you are, because there's so much switching. There's so much positionless basketball that whether I'm a three, whether I'm a four, I could be taking as many shots as as, as a two guard on the opposite team. You know what I'm saying? It's just yeah. it's just how it goes. 
so you mentioned the you mentioned how you'll have the all the shooters that you have and the arguably I guess the biggest addition you know new face to the Mavs this year is the draft pick Dennis Smith and yeah. how like what how will his spacing or his ability to penetrate the lane and really run the show basically open up for you guys on the wing I mean he's gonna be huge for us I mean I think his ability to one just and we get to rebound to push up the floor to be able to finish at the rim. I mean, that's going to give us a different look that we haven't had, we didn't have last year. But I mean, just his ability, you know, even in the half court, to just create, to penetrate, to get into the lane. And I mean, he's proven that he can score. You know, at least you know, in the within the team, you know, go against us every single day. So, you know, just him continue to get better and continue to make, get better at making reads. Have you got to work out with him yet? Yeah, absolutely. Is it how how is his his hops in person. Oh, I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's definitely, uh, you know, one of the top in the league for sure. Now that you've been in the league and you're like a, a vet now, do you look at a young, a young kid like that and say, man, he's so bouncy. Like, I mean, you, you can, can you jump with him? <laughs> nah, nah, he's definitely got me beat in that area. Um, but no, I mean, he definitely. I mean, this guy's. I mean, he has, you know, so much potential. You know, it's just a matter of just continuing to work every single day and you know, continue to get better. So, kind of going the opposite, we go from the nineteen-year-old kid to Dirk. Twentieth season. What do you What do you expect from from Dirk coming into his twentieth season? As crazy as it sounds. I mean, the, the same thing that, you know, I would, we've been, the people have been expecting from him. You know, he's going to come in, he's going to be a professional, he's going he's gonna to score the ball and, and do all those great things. But, you know, above that, I think it's just the energy that he brings into the team and to the gym every single day. I mean, when he comes into the gym, I mean, he makes it, you know, fun to be there. Just because he's always going to be saying something. He's always loud. He's always getting somebody going, getting some debate started. And I think that's what, uh, you know, comes like the lifeblood of the team. I attended his uh, his tennis tournament uh, last weekend. I guess it was last weekend, and yeah. <laughs> he said at his uh, at his presser, he mentioned uh, how how great you were last year. <laughs> he was yeah, man, he uninvited me, man. I mean, what, what a guy, man! It's just just rude. He he said you were uh, I guess struggling last year. Is tennis not your sport? Hey, man, you know you do things for charity. You know you, you try to help people out. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it was is tennis my strong suit? I wouldn't go that far, but you know, I try to go out there and support. And then the next year, I'm like, "Hey, you know, what's the invite?" He's like, "Yeah, man, I just can't watch that two years in a row." And I was like, "Wow." <laughs> well, I guess JJ is actually pretty good. Yeah, a little center of gravity makes it easier for him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, last question with this current Mavericks team: What you know, people obviously make their projections before the season way too early and say, hey, playoff team, non-playoff team, lottery, blah, blah, blah. Dallas is already, a lot of people already counting them out. Hey, they're another lottery team. What would what would, what would this Mavericks team have to do to make the playoffs next year? I mean, just based off last year, I mean, it's just, it's just being consistent. You know, we, we've seen specific games. We've seen small stretches where, you know, we can play good basketball, but it's, it's, can we do that for a consistent year? Mm. Can we do that for a season? This year, I don't think we're going to have as much player movement in terms of roster. But, 
you know, now it's like, can we, can we build that chemistry quickly and, you know, establish a rhythm in which we can say, okay, we know every single night we're going to do X, Y, and Z. And if we get beat, you know, because the team got hot, you know, because they hit a crazy shot down the stretch, that's one thing. But, you know, we had a lot of variable up and downs last year that, you know, that was tough. And health. It felt like every other week there was some type of – it seemed like every every time you, you guys would get going last year and you'd get in a rhythm, somebody would go down. Exactly. I mean, health was a, a huge thing too. So, you know, I mean, all those things factor in, but I think from what we can control, it's just making sure that we're consistent every single night. And you mentioned you mentioned a name all ago. You mentioned McRoberts, another Dookie coming in. What do you think about that? <laughs> Uh, yeah, we haven't really talked about that yet, but I mean, when UNC, you know, gives them the business, that won't, that won't surprise me. Yeah. But, um, no, I think he's going to, he's going to be a good addition for us. You know, that one guy, you know, he can knock down open shots. Um, he knows how to play, so I think he can definitely help us. And more than anything, since we have a lot of younger guys, help mentor them. So these next questions, they're kind of rapid fire questions. They're completely random. So I'm going to yeah. throw at you a question. You tell me the name that comes at you first. Okay. Funniest Maverick on the team? Dirk. Dirk by far? Not even close. <laughs> Not even close. I've heard some just crazy stories just from plane rides to practice stuff. Wild. Wild. <laughs> no, 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 I can even share off the record. I mean, it's just wild. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's crazy when people – you know, people even ask me, and I, you know, I haven't been covering the league, you know, a super long time. But when people ask me and say, "Hey, like, who's your favorite Maverick, or who's like the funniest Maverick, or the you know, the most chill Maverick?" And I'm like, "Man, I don't want to be like cliche about it, but like, Dirk's the most like chill dude with everybody, like not just teammates, but like the lowest, the lowest people, and he just seems like a just a good, genuine dude all around." Yeah, no, he is 100. percent All right, fill in the blank or finish the sentence. Salah Mejri is blank. <laughs> Relentless <laughs> shot blocker. <laughs> Relentless. He will go for every... If someone tries to dunk, I mean, he'll go to block it every single time. And that's why I love him, just because when you see him, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, he's a stiff, he's super skinny, he's on third, but I'm not literally, he'll jump with anybody in the league to go block him. Yeah, I remember him and DeAndre exchanging words last year, and him saying after the game, he's like, I don't care. I don't care if you dunk on me, but I'll I'll contest it every time, basically. Like, and most of the time, yeah, I'm going to block you. He seems hilarious. All right, second one. Who does Rick Carlisle get the most mad at? Uh, <laughs> last year would have been Justin Anderson, for sure. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah, uh, Justin for sure. I don't know. I don't know this year. Dennis will probably take that crown this year. Maybe, maybe. As a young and running his system. All right. If you had to pick one Maverick to fight in the octagon, who would you put your money on? I mean, he's not a player, but but uh, Mosley. Mosley, Coach Mosley. Oh, dude, that, that's the MMA, so that, that is him 100%. He does it. Like, he lives by that. So he would, yeah, I put him up there. He would destroy everyone. 100%. All right, last last few questions are completely random, but yeah. I grew up a huge Tar Heel fan, so I always like talking yeah. North Carolina stuff when I see you at the locker. Your team in, I guess, 2011, 2012, was that the mm-hmm. Kendall Marshall injury year? 
Yes, sir. How can you just speak on that team and how special that team was? And if Marshall didn't get hurt, are you winning the ship? Man, I mean, I believe so. I mean, we, we you know, we were we were tight knit unit. You know, like we were just super close. And I think, like more recently, you know, the, this last team that won it, yeah, people were like really were able to see how close they were. You know, because they were, you know, had the national spotlight and all that type of stuff. But like, you know, we were very similar as close. And I felt like we had a great shot to win it. Obviously, Kendall gets hurt. You know, we put in a tough situation. We can't make it to the Final Four. But, you know, he's healthy. I believe we won it all. Because you played, because that was the Anthony Davis year, right? Yeah. Because y'all played earlier in the year. And I remember the shot. I think he blocked, was it Henson? Yeah, he blocked, uh, he blocked Henson. You know, we should have called a timeout. Uh, I think it was like Marquis Street or something like that's two free throws. But, I mean, we're right there down the stretch at a run, so... Yeah, um, it was a battle. I thought we were going to see them again in the, in the championship, but uh, unfortunately, history didn't work out that way. Well, I still argue that y'all would have won the title, so I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, the second two, I did a story with you early in the year, which I much appreciated about your Christian faith yeah. and just about your personal life and stuff. So these, the very last two questions is kind of in regards to that. Absolutely. You just you just got married. What what marriage advice would you give to a newly married couple? Who? Um, <laughs> you can't phone a friend either. You can't phone the wife. Nah, nah. Um, I, I would say the biggest advice that we've gotten, or that we we've learned throughout like, the premarital process and all that type of stuff, is just like find your ruts. Mm. And when I mean ruts, I don't mean like you know go go to a low place, but like you know, on the track. If you have a, a cart that's on a, on a track, you know, it has ruts in it, places that it can hook and hinge automatically that you can always rely on. And you know that rut's going to be there. And I think in a marriage, um, be, I'm, I'm two months in, so I'm not, I don't want to speak. I'm 20 years in, but, you know, you always want to find that, that place where it's like, uh, you know, we're in a rough spot, all right, we're here, you know, where's something we can fall back on, whether it's, you know, devotion time together, whether it's prayer together, whether it's, um, you know, watching, you know, your favorite pastor going to church together, whatever it may be, just finding that rut. So it's like you can always recalibrate yourself. You feel like you guys get distant, little micro arguments are starting to creep in, anything like that. And that's what, you know, my wife and I, we just had this conversation uh, about a week or so ago. And it's it's even more relevant for you because you're always on the road and you're doing, you have a million other obligations. And, you know, my life, you know, I'm, full-time job and do stuff like this, whatever. And we get busy and it reached a point to where we had a conversation just me and her and say, Hey, like we feel kind of disconnected. Like these past few weeks, we've just been so busy. We haven't put each other as a priority. And, and our thing is you talking about devotional and stuff. We, we like to worship together. So that's like our thing. And riding in a car, doesn't matter if it's an argument or whatever it is, but we can ride in a car and we can worship together. And it's like, man, like that's a, that's a rut for us. So Absolutely. I mean, that's that's probably the best advice I've, I've gotten. You know, I mean, cause, you know, whether you work a nine to five, whether you're an athlete, whatever it may be. I mean, everyone has stuff that happens throughout the day, and you know, putting that to the side before you walk into your house at night. Mm. You know, to make sure you're not taking that with you. I mean, that that's huge. Last question. I asked you this back earlier when we talked before, but what is in the over these past twelve months in Dallas, first year as a Maverick? all that stuff, now you're married. What has God taught you the most over this past year? 
Cool. Um, I'm throwing haymakers at you. Man, <laughs> I mean, I, I am the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me and I'll abide in you. I mean, mm. that, that encompasses, <laughs> I mean, that encompasses everything. Like, you know, coming to Dallas, you know, there was just so much, you know, from a basketball perspective, there was so much going on, you know, come off, you know, losing the finals, you know, the Olympics not playing, not knowing. I mean, obviously I had confidence in who I was going to want it to be as a player, but I hadn't shown that. So just kind of dealing with all of the, like, the doubts surrounding my game and trying to prove myself, not only to my teammates, my coaches, but to the rest of the league, as well as, like, being engaged. You know what I'm saying? And it's like you have all these, you know, this circus going around. Everything's new. Everything's different. But, you know, I try to just focus on my faith and just, you know, just say, look, man, you know, God has me here for a reason. You know, he, he's brought me to this point. He wouldn't bring me here to leave me. So as long as I just focus on him and put him first, I know everything else will pan out. Everything else will work out. And, you know, his, his plans are better than mine. So that's probably the biggest thing I've learned in the last four months. Man, you I don't think you could have answered it better. So you killed that. Well, man, I Harrison, I, have, I don't want to hold you too much longer. By the time people listen to this, it's probably going to be after Media Day. So I know how thrilled and excited you are for Media Day. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, I just, I really want to appreciate uh, or just say thank you for uh, chatting with me. It's always good. And you got, you got, you got training you. camp, man. You said what? Yeah, so you got training camp coming up. And it feels like it never stopped. I know, right? It, it's, it's right back at it. But it's, it's good, man. I'm, I'm excited to get back at it.